0: Today is Sunday, December 9th, 2018, and this is Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of your Boston Celtics. Evan Valenti, pinch hitting for Adam Kaufman here on this Sunday, episode 292, featuring the Boston Globes, Chad Finn, is brought to you by Action Heat. Go to actionheat.com slash Boston or use the coupon code Boston at checkout to get 20% off your next order. Again, that's actionheat.com slash Boston with the promo code Boston at checkout to save 20%. Another episode of Celtics Speed here on CLNS Media. Evan Valenti filling in for a very sickly Adam Kaufman. Adam, uh, get better. Uh, just filling in, pitch hitting real quick. He'll be back next week, hopefully. Hopefully he's feeling better. Uh, but I hope uh, a speedy recovery uh, for Adam. Uh, happy holiday season to all of you out there listening to the show. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Stitcher. Follow us on CLNS Media. All that fun stuff. Leave us a review, a rating, all that fun stuff we love comments, whether it's constructive, whether it's funny, you want to make fun of me, you want to make fun of Adam, doesn't really matter, we love hearing from you guys, make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Evan Valenti, and Adam Kaufman is at Adam M. Kaufman. Um, We're going to welcome in our guest, though, for this week, Uh, I mean, Chad, you've been kind of busy as, like, the media watchdog overlord, with everything that's going on at EEI, with Kirk Minahan (laughs) and everything, you've been kind of busy, my man.
1: Yeah, always busy, it never ends around here, you know... Uh... This uh, it, it, media feels like the the fifth major sport in in, uh, <laughs> yeah. in the Boston market. Maybe uh, you know it might be ahead of uh, at least one of the other sports. So yeah, yeah. It, uh, never slows down. Always interesting.
0: Definitely had a Boston College. I don't know if it's any any front of the four major sports, but definitely above BC or any of the <laughs> collegiate programs uh, around the uh, the Commonwealth here. And I got to be honest with you, man. It's catching in a good time. I think you're you're getting ready for. A basketball game yourself your daughter has a jv game coming up in a, like an hour and a half
1: yeah my daughter who was in uh, second grade just two years ago it seems like yeah is, uh, making her making her high school the next wow so, uh, so i know it goes, uh, goes they tell you it goes by fast when you're a parent they're, they're lying it goes by even faster than uh, than they tell you it's crazy so you gotta you gotta, gotta enjoy every moment of it uh, as a parent even the ones that, that drive you crazy
0: you got any big influences big influences for her like dan tarasi sue bird does she you know mix a little bit of like Kyrie a little i get you know give us her profile here
1: well i have a picture in my home office yeah. of uh the 80s celtics and lakers jumping at center court and when she was no older than two um she could uh identify larry bird out of the photo so i brain brainwashed her with that pretty quickly and uh you know what? It's really interesting nowadays. I mean, it's it's Curry and the Warriors for every kid, boy or girl. That uh, they, the the NBA nowadays has really captured the imagination of kids uh, probably more than it has at any point since the '80s when I was growing up. So it's really great to see. You know, the NBA right now has as uh, appealing and diverse a group of players as you could possibly imagine, and it's really having an effect on on the younger uh, demographics. I've kind of been fortunate to live that with my kids.
0: Yeah, I feel that. I was do I was playing pickup with some younger kids, like high school kids the other day. It was, it was at the Y. You know, all all, of them, all they want to do is take deep threes. And I'm like, guys. That is he, true. I'm like, you guys, you know, Curry's good at layups too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they've got us how to get to the rim pretty well. You know, his predecessor, I would say, is Steve Nash. <laughs> Steve Nash could get to the rim at will, and he knew how to pass. So, guys, it's not all yeah. about deep threes anymore.
1: You know, I never wanted to write one of those shade columns about how Curry's ruined basketball because I think the 90s Knicks ruined basketball and they finally <laughs> got it back. But uh, it really has in terms of how kids play it. They all want to do that. They all want to be Curry or they all want to have the, the crazy handle. And it's kind of that way with Iverson too. You play with the young guys who thought they were Iverson. Nobody but Iverson was Iverson. But uh, nowadays it's just people bonding. I still play and drag my butt up and down the court in a men's league. And it gets frustrating against... Uh, younger players because they just want to jack shots up. and I, I'm not like talking about being George Mikan or anything, but you know, you can make a, an entry pass to the post every once in a while. That's yeah. my old man rant.
0: Uh, no, It's okay. I t- and I, I'll be honest <laughs> with you. I'll, I said, Not to make this a like, tangential thing, but you know, I, I people ask me all the time about the Monday night football game uh, the other night that was Rams-Chiefs. It was 54-51 the final. And everybody's like, oh, look how great that was. Isn't that awesome? I'm like, no. 54-51, was it entertaining? Sure. But did it, does anybody want to play defense at any point during any one of these games? I mean, I don't mean to be that guy of like yelling in a cloud, but back in my day when the Patriots were you one know, of their first run of Super Bowls here, they won it primarily because defensively they were in a different league than everybody else. Now it's just yeah. throw, 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 throw the ball. And now we're getting to a point, and again, I don't mean to get on football, but we're getting to a point where I think teams are forgetting about You know, clock management now. I I mean, Andy Reid's forgotten about clock management for the past 20 years. But you look at some of these teams, (laughs) they score too quickly. And you don't even, like, I'll go back to the the game against the Chiefs. Sunday night, Patriots-Chiefs. The the Chiefs had the ball had like three twenty left in the game. They were down a touchdown. Mahomes scores in seven seconds because that offense is unbelievable, right? Well, Tom Brady gets the ball back, looks at the clock, and goes, "Well, you guys are getting the ball back ever again." So thanks for playing. We'll see you guys next time. Pats win by three points, forty three forty. Like all these high, like sometimes you know things were better the way they they were. Like I remember interviewing Mike Gorman the summer. And we were talking about college basketball and about how college basketball back in his day, quote unquote, was better because you had rivalries. You had guys that would stay three or four years and develop and and actually work on skills. It's not like a factory anymore. There used to be actual development that would take place in college basketball, Chad.
1: Yeah, it sucks because, uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up in that era where Mike was the voice of the Big East and. Uh, you could anticipate the next season, but these guys would be back. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't Kentucky having Carl Anthony Towns one year and then the the next number one pick the next year. And then, the, you know, three top five guys, uh, top 10 guys the year after that. And there's no continuity. You could uh, look forward to seeing Patrick Ewing for four years or Chris Mullen for four years or, see Pearl Washington uh, go head-to-head with, you know, Mark Jackson at St. John's for a couple of seasons or whatever it happened to be. And that added so much more to the game. I I, I love basketball at every level. I still like college basketball a lot. But uh, if you, you know, if you tell told people today what it was like in the 80s, they wouldn't believe it because it's just so, so distant and far from what the college game is now where, uh, you know, where you see a guy for a year and then you're trying to figure out that whole season where he's going to go in the draft.
0: Yeah, it's just way different now. And and as a guy who spent time following Syracuse halfway through, you know, I was uh, a junior in college and they switched to the ACC. So I was I have one foot in the Big East, one foot in the ACC. I do miss I do miss Big East basketball. It was really something. And and, and I talked to Mike Gorman about it, and him and I were both really upset because you know he had that 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 thirty for thirty requiem uh, for the Big East, and I thought it was brilliant in that. And to watch him in Raftery uh do commentary, I'm like, I just I'm in heaven there. <laughs> I'm literally in heaven with those two guys. <laughs> Nothing better than that. Um, let's move on though, because we have to actually talk about the Celtics. Uh C's have going so we're recording yeah, and we have to actually talk about the Celtics. Uh we're taping this on a Friday. So coming off this Knicks game, the Celtics have won four in a row. They're playing Chicago uh coming up. It looks like Kyrie's gonna play in that, so I'm gonna guarantee a win here. Not a big deal. So probably by the time you listen to this will be five in a row. Um seems like Boston's putting things together the right time Chad In your estimation what is the biggest reason for this?
1: Uh seems like the lineup changed more than well the biggest reason is they're making more shots than they were before. <laughs> right. I remember uh I took a look at it when they were 10 and 10 and uh the shooting percentages on the team were brutal. Yeah, I think at the, that point in time Tice was shooting 61%, which is fantastic and and not that not uh, that unexpected given where he generally shoots from other than the occasional three, but Marcus Morris was at 48%. And then everybody else is just garbage. You know, it was uh, Jalen Brown was like in the thirties and 62% from the line and 20 something from three and Hayward's percentage was way down. And, you know, Irving's was fine, but uh, everybody else was well below where you thought they would be. Uh, And that's kind of changed a little bit. And it seems like the impetus, maybe it's coincidence, or maybe it's, maybe it is the impetus. I, 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 impetus for it is that lineup of changes of Brad. I mean, putting Marcus Smart in the starting lineup, starting Marcus Morris and uh, giving him a pretty good run there at forward uh, based on how well he's played all season. And uh, for whatever reason, it's worked. Haywood Center, a real good job coming off the bench. Jalen Brown was excellent against the Knicks uh, with 21 points and his comeback from his injury. So seems like the change uh, made a difference and it seems like logic that eventually some of those open shots would start falling has finally happened and
0: uh, it's led into a four game winning streak so far. We can go 5. We can we can make it 5. Chicago is garbage. Anyway, if Kyrie
1: um, didn't play, would you still guarantee it?
0: Oh, that's a tough one, huh? Uh yep. I I think that's I still challenge. would. I don't I don't I just don't think the Bulls really I mean they're a mess. I mean the Guard Packs again you know, they bring in their guy, Fred Hoiberg, and then all of a sudden he's not, and they don't put a team around him and they fire him. Like, I don't, I just don't understand the logic inside of what's going on in Chicago right now. I mean, they, they got lucky that Levine can actually play. Um, Jabari, not so much. And they took, took a shot on Chris Dunn. That really hasn't worked. So, like, I just don't I, – I, I honestly feel bad for Hoiberg in this in this scenario. He's never had a team – he him and Jimmy Butler never got along. And then he's never gotten a team that can actually coach. And so then he gets fired. And it, we're supposed to look at Fred Hoiberg like he failed here. And it's, in reality, it's Garpax. But I don't want to get – they're a disaster. Um, I do right. want to talk about the new starting lineup, though, because you brought that up. The new starting lineup of Kyrie, Smart, Tatum, Morris, and Horford have played 80 minutes together. They have an offensive rating of 119.2 per 100 possessions. Their defensive rating is 106.4. So that's a difference of 12.8, which is really, really, really solid. Basically, they outscore their opponents by 13 points per 100 possessions when those guys are on the floor. And if you go to the old starting lineup, they were getting absolutely roasted on both ends. Offensively, they were bad. Defensively, they weren't nearly as good. They just just didn't have any continuity. And I think for me, Chad, just – I think that there's too many guys that have no idea what role they're in. You know what I mean? Right. Like you just have you have too many guys. You have Jalen and Jason who went from you know we're the reason why you know we're here in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. We're going to Game Seven against LeBron. You know Tatum was toe for toe with LeBron in Game Seven. He was spectacular. Now they take a backseat to Kyrie and trying to figure out where Hayward fits in, and now taking some pressure off Jalen and and Hayward to kind of find their rhythm in the second unit and just beat up on other second units has really worked out for them. Meanwhile, Marcus Smart, you know what he does. Like, he comes in, he's an energy guy, he's gonna rebound the basketball, he's gonna facilitate the ball a lot, uh, he is gonna hustle after every loose ball imaginable. Marcus Morris is basically just gonna shoot and play defense. Kyrie kind of, you know, constructs everything. Horford is the ultimate chess piece, and Tatum, you know, picks and chooses his spots and is still figuring out really how to play with this group. But just from a role standpoint, these guys seem to understand how they fit with each other better than the original starting lineup.
1: Yeah, I, a lot of the credit for that, I think, goes to Marcus Smart. I mean, the, the first game that he started, he played, I think it was 40 minutes. And what's the worry when Marcus Smart plays a lot? He's going to jack up a lot of bad shots. You know that that's, that's uh, he, he's one of my all-time favorite Celtics. I like oh yeah, definitely that. I, I I like him personally. I wish he wouldn't shoot as much as he has in the past. That game when he played forty minutes, he only took eight shots, and that to me was a sign that he understands what they're asking him to do here. They need him to go out there, the most. Uh, I don't want to say unstable player, but the the the, the most uh, the, the wildest wild card that they have. Putting him out there, they needed him to stabilize things, and he did. And he did what was asked of him, and he has continued to do those Marcus Smart things that people who don't follow the Celtics night after night after night they might be skeptical that uh, you know Mark the little things that he does we're exaggerating them. We're not. He does those things, and they help you win. Uh, we saw it in the postseason last year. We've seen a uh, we saw it against Houston last year when he mentally tormented James Harden the best a game. We've seen time and time again, and he's doing those things now and it's made a big difference uh yeah. in, in terms of everything else i think i understand where brown and, and tatum are coming from they did help get that team to game seven of the eastern conference finals and if they hadn't forgotten tatum was on the roster in the last six minutes of that game they might have won i mean he had the dunk and the three-pointer that put him ahead and then I don't think he had a meaningful shot again until last minute or so of the game they they uh that kid had a right to be to be supremely confident coming into this season, and Jalen did too. He stayed, he wasn't quite on the same level as Tatum or uh, certainly the explosive offensive player, but he took huge steps forward in his second season and had a right to feel good about his role on the team. And I think the Celtics made a little bit of a mistake in putting Gordon Hayward in there right away. They should have eased him back in a little bit more. They must have seen in practice that he wasn't ready defensively, that he still a little bit hesitant near the basket in traffic. And that uh, probably would have been wiser. And I think Brad would say this himself to ease him back in a little more. And so it feels like if Jalen Brown is really going to be as unselfish about his role as it looks right now, that, that the way things are organized at this point is the way they're going to be and they're uh, the way they should be. And they're working. And that's, uh, it, it took him. I don't think it took him a very long time to figure out what fixes, what, what need, they needed to fix this team. And, I think we're going to see as the games mount here that uh, it was the right thing to do, and they're going to really get rolling.
0: Yeah, they look, they look more competent. They look like the energy's there. That's the one thing that you would watch. The energy early in the part of the season, like they would defensively have a lot of energy, but then towards the end of possession they'd fall apart. And then, you know, you get into this this mix of – while wow, we played a great defensive possession. it Ends with an unfortunate offensive rebound, and then you just you kind of lapse yeah. defensively, and then you you get sloppy and lazy, and the execution on the other end because you're pressing a little bit more. You know that in turn because, it's like a snowball effect, right? You just have everything just ends up piling up more and more because you press so much. Mm-hmm. But again, you put two guys in, and again, I'm I'm with you on this. So I think Marcus Smart, and I think your former colleague Bob Ryan said it last week as well. You know, for all the detractions of his shot selection that we've had with smart in the past he has been such a rock I mean, I, I'm stealing this via everybody's favorite Polish guy who puts highlights together Timmy on Twitter um Tomek <laughs> Marcus Smart in his new role I'm stealing this from him I want to give him credit Smart as a starter has played 120 minutes Chad he is averaging 5.5 assists per game in that span with only one turnover in 120 minutes
1: that's always been the most underrated thing about him is that he's a good playmaker. He's not flashy. He's not, uh, you know, he's, he's not electrifying off the dribble or any of those sort of things, but he's a really good passer who sees, sees the court. Well, uh, doesn't lose the ball uh, too often. And, uh, you know, we talk about his defense and that should be the first thing we talk about. And we complain about the shot selection sometimes. And certainly there's merit there too, with his history, but, uh, he's good at a lot of different things on the court and, and uh, finding an open teammate is one of them. So I'm not surprised by it. And I, the other thing, Evan, that I, I think was part of their issue uh, was the guys, guys had a lot of belief in themselves. And um, you know, if you're going to have a team where you've got six or seven or eight really skilled players and they all believe, all right, this is going wrong It's up to me to step up and fix this it's going to look ugly sometimes, but I think one of the things we realized is that everybody was coming from the right place. You know, that Jason Tatum felt like he was going to be an explosive scorer and that he could help them out. Uh, even with those mid range jump shots that weren't going in that, uh, uh, you know, someone else trying to step up and, uh, and pick up the slack in a certain time when they're struggling, it came from the right place, whether it was Marcus Morris, whether it's, uh, you know, Jalen Brown may be uh, taking some ill-advised threes. I mean, he worked his butt off on his three-pointer practice there every day. He wants to become a better shooter. He works hard at it. It hasn't translated to the game. But we can't fault him for taking those shots sometimes. So uh, I think I don't think there was any divisiveness on this team. Maybe, you know, Terry is playing for contract a little bit. But for the most part, I think everything, even when it was going wrong, was coming from the right place in terms of what they were trying to do.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And, again, a part of that goes back to Brad for getting these guys focused up and trying to figure out, you know, what buttons to press and and where to put guys where. Quick break from Chad to tell you today's show is brought to you by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. It's heat on demand with the touch of a button Control your environment with Action Heat. It's awesome. I have a bunch of Action Heat stuff. Socks. I have, like, a thermal. It is unbelievable. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels. Basically similar to a heated car seat, but imagine that, all over your body. They can reach temperatures up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on each Charge. action eat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget while you're wearing it. It's a perfect gift for any friend or family member on your holiday wish list here. Great for anyone who works outdoors, skiers, snowboarders. Or basically, anybody that just hates being cold, like, seriously, you go outside, some of these blizzards, you're snowblown, you're clearing the car off, you're clearing the walk-off, you're just trying to get everything under control, Uh, control your environment with Actiony and with heatable clothing, it's the best. Actiony provides toasty warmth and comfort for your entire body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats and more. And we have a special deal for our listeners. Save twenty percent off your entire order today. Just go to Actionheat.com backslash Boston. Check out everything that Action Heat has to offer. Again, that's Actionheat.com slash Boston or use the coupon code Boston to check out to save twenty percent. Stay toasty and warm while you enjoy all of your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. Back to Chad. You know, you look at the way this team has kind of rolled through the past couple. I mean they offensively they are starting to put together some serious point totals. And again, you know, who they've played as Nick Wright has made, you know, somewhat, uh, famous this morning. Well, we haven't played in anybody the past couple of games. Yeah, I get that. But you know, you know what? Sometimes you got to beat up on bad teams to get a good rhythm going. And the Celtics since Thanksgiving have been one of the most prolific offenses in the entire league. They have the best net rating in the entire league since Thanksgiving. Um, that comes via Dan Greenberg. They, they have really put together a solid, solid effort. And I think. It's 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 everybody on the team just kind of figuring out what their role is. You know, Morris, to start the year, was like such a godsend and was just on fire from everywhere. But now he's cooled off, but you see somebody else step up. It's kind of one of these old adages. And the one thing I'll say about this team, go, looking at it from the preseason, from before this even preseason even started, it was, wow, this team has so much talent. What are they going to do with it all? And it reminds me a lot of these championship teams that you see you know, whether it's Golden State, whether it was Miami under LeBron and Wade and Bosch, or whether it's even pretty much across all sports, like somebody at some point has to make some certain kind of sacrifice, right? Like there has to be somebody's got to swallow their pride and not score as much and not do this as much and not do that as much for the benefit of the overall team. And what I've liked recently are the two quotes that have come from Hayward and come from Jalen about coming off the bench. And Jalen the other night talking about how, you know, Hayward came off the bench and scored 30 points the other night was the biggest reason why I won the game against, you know, you know Minnesota, right? H- having that mindset of, like, whatever it takes to help this team, as you kind of alluded to, these guys have the right place of mind, like, the right, they are, their heart's in the right place, they just don't know how to get there. Yeah. This is, this to me is a reflection on character, which I think is a reflection on Danny and a reflection on Brad. Like these guys know what they're looking for. They look for the right type of players to fit in their system, and they look for guys with extremely good character, whether that's jason tatum who's who sounds you know way more uh you know a little way older than than a twenty year old your average twenty year old Jalen brown, you know since he was drafted, has just always kind of played. Older, or at least sounded older than he really is. He, you know, attends Harvard business seminars, and you know, you have Kyrie right. Irving right. who is trying to write a philosophy book, and you have all these guys that have that play mature and have mature attitudes. And that's always been the thing with Marcus Smart from day one. That guy knew the history of the of the team, knew what was important, what he brings. to the, I mean, just, it feels like these guys have it. Has, despite the fact the record might not be as great, they have the team you'd want to get into a dogfight in a seven-game series because everybody's going to contribute to winning, it feels like.
1: Yeah, I feel like Hayward's a huge part of that because, uh, first of all, you can I, I thought it was a really encouraging sign after the Minnesota game when everybody was so happy for him. You know, this is right. a guy who we know what he went through, but he was out all last season while these guys were succeeding, and he comes back and gets his job back right away and gets minutes from guys who feel felt like they, they earned those minutes last season. And so it could have could have led to some awkwardness and it, it's clear that uh, everybody in this team likes him and they felt really good for him after that happened. And conversely, you can see that he's really going out of his way, not to be, not to be a, a selfish superstar, you know, guy with a superstar ego. I mean, he's probably overpassing when he came back. It's It's been kind of a revelation to me how great a, how well he sees the court. It's kind of in the same way that Horford does, where he'll hit the guy on the opposite side, and you didn't even realize that guy was open while you're watching from the couch, you know. Uh, just has a great vision. But um, it was clear he was trying to implement himself back in a little uh, slowly, and some of that I'm sure was in his mind about the foot and about the ankle. I mean, we think about it every time he goes into traffic. He must think about it too as well. But um, he seems to be willing to, sacrifice part of his game I, i'm sure in the back of his mind he wants to get back to that 20 22 point scorer who is the focus of the team you, you just want to be that guy you were that guy and you want to get back to that level can. but he's uh he, he's simplifying his game for the benefit of the team right now even as he keeps getting better and better and i think that really sets a great tone I, maybe a lot of these guys don't need a tone set for them anyway because like you said, uh, the character is a consideration with this team, a big consideration with this team. Um, but uh, it, it's good to see a guy with his salary and with all that he's gone through, and with the fact that uh, they didn't really use him back. They played, you know, he got his job back right away, uh, that he's doing everything he can to fit in on the team and be the great teammate he is. And it's cool to see that it's reciprocated from those guys who are really happy for him the Minnesota game.
0: Yeah, that Minnesota game was like I did a, a bit on. Uh, my sports show, I stole it from Van Pelt, where it's like the best thing I saw all weekend, and it was <laughs> nice. I was like Gordon Hayward scoring thirty points at any point would be the best, but to do it so quickly coming back from again one of the most horrific injuries I've seen live. Like I was, we were all watching the game, we had so much excitement. <sighs> and for that end of five minutes was just like so heartbreaking, and to watch and in like the efficiency he did it with, and how smooth he looked, and just I can't imagine what it was like being him. Was a Saturday night like last Saturday? He scored thirty. I mean, that must have been just such a great experience for him, and, and just to come back from all. That. I mean, I, you know, we went through the process, right? We got to see a lot of his his rehab, and obviously, we didn't go through it. But yeah. We got to see a lot of it, a lot of the sweat, a lot of the frustration, um, and to watch him come back so quickly and and do because again, you don't know, you don't know, you have no idea what he's going to look like. Like Paul George the other night had like forty for Oklahoma City. And to watch him do that, I thought was incredible. It's like, man, like these guys, like, they sometimes, they come, they come back and you, they take a while, but then they're the same guy again. And you never know with these, with, with, with Hayward and with George and, you know, Karis Levert, was it Karis Levert that got hurt earlier this year? Yeah. yeah Brooklyn, In yeah. Brooklyn. And that's another nasty one. And you're like, you gotta be kidding me. And Jeremy Lynn's had how many torn ACLs and you, it's just, it's been, you know, kind of gross. But to watch him do that tonight was really special. Two things before we get you out of here, Chad. One. I've been. I've noticed a little bit, and maybe I'm. I'm not crazy, but maybe I'm making too big of a point of this because a lot of times assist numbers go up when people are making shots. Like that's part of the byproduct right. of that. But I do think Kyrie's making more of an effort to share the ball. And so far this year, Kyrie has racked up ten or more assists four games in four different games. He only did that once last year, and it was the first game of the season since Cle- uh, against Cleveland. So part of that is a. People are making jump shots now. But, B, I do think Kyrie's making more of an effort to be more a facilitator and to, like, you know, come out of the gates hot, get his team up early – Kind of like the LeBron thing. Like he learned this from LeBron. You know, come out, put your stamp on the game early, let everybody know that you're here, then spend the rest of the game, you know, until the fourth quarter, getting everybody else involved and in picking your spots. But getting everybody else involved, getting everybody else involved in the rhythm of the game, and then when it comes time for the fourth quarter, you're fresh, everybody's in rhythm, and you can attack the defense any way you really want to. And the, the best example for me the other night was I think it was a bounce pass to Baines, and I forget who they were playing. But he had a double team. It might have been Cleveland double team at the top of the key, and he's just dancing around. And Baines slips the screen. And he fit, he feathers the ball through two guys. A and a, on it, yeah. yeah, and hits Baines for the jam. And I'm like, I don't know if Kyrie's capable of that two, three years ago, but now he is, and now he becomes a significantly more dangerous player to guard.
1: Well, he might stop doing it if you told him he learned it from LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> he, it, it's absolutely true, though. And he's, the other element of that is takes over when he has to. You know, sometimes I feel like, I mean, I love that he, he's initiating the offense and trying to get other guys involved. But watching him when he's on, I feel like I wish he would shoot more because sometimes it feels like he just can't miss. But uh, whether it's, you know, a 25-foot-three that is a uh, true out of his hand or – uh no exaggeration he's the best best finisher in traffic for a guard i've ever seen and it feels like half the time when he drives the hoop he's just trying to create some new angle or trying to add another trick rather than just finishing it and lo and behold he does he, he's so extraordinary at that now it seems like he finishes with one hand every time you know that long one-handed plastic yeah. man layup that he does but uh i feel like he can score it well sometimes and he doesn't do that unless it's absolutely necessary maybe it's maybe it's just the evolution of Kyrie into being uh, an even greater player and an even greater team player. But when I look at him sometimes I think this guy hit a shot in Steph Curry's face to knock off the 73-1 war here to keep them from winning a championship on the road. Uh, You know, he did it on the road. I mean, that is, uh, that is a guy who's accomplished about anything you can, you want to accomplish in basketball in terms of clutch play and big, big moment play. And I, I, Watching him do this now, it makes me anticipate what he's going to do in the postseason if everything, if everybody stays healthy and you know this whole group is together. Because it looks like at fourteen and ten, as we talk right now, they'll probably be better than that when we're done talking uh, when it's airs. But uh, it looks like they're really, really trending the right way, and he's the guy driving it.
0: Yeah. Then you look at the rest of the East, and you know, I, I, that Toronto team is really good. I, I think that I think they're yeah. a legitimate threat. Um, I like the way Milwaukee plays. I'm not quite sure they're deep enough, but if Chris Middleton wants to play like he did last postseason against the Celtics, then I'm going to be absolutely terrified with this what this Bucks team looks like. Because that guy, he didn't, he, to talk about not missing. That guy did not miss against Boston no. in that seven game series, and I was more terrified of him than any player on Philly, and then any player on the Cleveland, not named LeBron James. That guy was absolutely terrifying. Um, and the way he just hit big shot after big shot, um, I love I love the way the Bucks are playing. I'm not quite sure if they're totally there, and I don't think as much as people want to talk about Philly. I don't think they're deep enough. I think their spacing's terrible, nah. and I'm I'm not totally convinced that they're really ready. Um, but as you look at the Celtics now, and you look at them going forward, and you and I both agree that they're on the right track. What does this team does this team need anything, or is this the continuity they're currently building is that enough for them for the rest of the year?
1: Yeah, I think they're probably headed for the second seed. You know, Toronto's off to such a fantastic start that you have to look at it and say they're going to sustain it, unless uh, you know Kyrie's quad acts up or something, and, or he decides he hates Canada or something along those lines. But <laughs> or Kauai, I mean, but, right, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, they're, uh I don't see what they need really. I mean, it would be nice if Rozier settled in a little bit more. I'm, I'm not going to be one of those people who, you know, if he goes out and shoots two, two for ten in his next game, say. You got to trade him. He's playing for his contract because you know what happens. They trade him and Kyrie's knee starts sparking. That's, that's right. how the world works. You know, you, you trade your really good backup point guard and that the guy who's starting uh, suddenly needs a backup. It's just, uh, so I, I'd be reluctant to move him, move him. I just hope he, uh, gets a little bit more comfortable and accepting of the role that he's in because, uh, his teammates are there for him. They all speak highly of him. Kyrie more than anybody else, but the uh, still playing like, uh, you know, tens of a million dollars hinge on every single performance. Whereas people know what he can do; they saw him in the postseason last year. They need to see him play a little bit more disciplined basketball this year, and uh, I think he'll get the money he's looking for. He just needs to settle down a little.
0: Yeah, I agree with that, and I think partly, you know, we talked a little bit about Marcus Smart, um, re- you know, reining in a little bit, right? You know, just kind of just not being as uh, crazy with his shot selection. I think part of that actually is. He's not playing for a contract. He just got his contract now. Yeah. Now it's more True. of you know what can Great I point. right because you know he, part of the thing part of the thing with Marcus was oh man what if he ever got his three point percentage up whatever if that ever happens and it, it's just I'm never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, on that note, Chad, I appreciate you taking the time, man. I, I appreciate you joining me here on the weekend. Uh, good luck to your daughter tonight in her first game. Uh, hopefully no injuries. That's all. I'm, that's all. The only thing I hope for now in sports is no injuries. Hopefully everybody's healthy coming out of there so we can play another one uh, whenever the next one is. So uh, thanks for the time. Have a happy holiday, Chad, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks, pal. We're setting you over under at four points. So uh, let's, <laughs> let, let's get this
0: going. There you go. Yeah, legalized gambling is now infiltrating the JV basketball world. Congratulations. <laughs> See you, bud. Take care, it. See you, bud. And that will do it for this episode of Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of your Boston Celtics. Evan Valenti saying goodbye, but before we do, house-cleaning things, housekeeping things, one of those two. Anyway, make sure you follow us all over social media on Twitter. I'm at Evan Valenti, E-V-A-N-V-A-L-E-N-T-I. Uh, Adam M. Kaufman on Twitter as well. Adam, who normally hosts this show. Uh, Also, CLNS Media on Twitter as well. Make sure you follow this podcast on iTunes. You subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Stitcher. Subscribe to our CLNS YouTube page because we post post post-game sound. Pre-game sound, practice throughout the week, not just for Celtic stuff, for Bruins, for Patriots, everything Boston-related, we have you covered on that CLNS YouTube page, okay? Big shout-out to Chad Finn, my guy, for joining me here for the Boston Globe. I love Chad. He's one of my favorite people in the world. I love chat with him. Glad he was on the show this week, and thanks for helping out in a quick pinch chat. I was really appreciated. Also, shout-out to Adam Kaufman. Hopefully you feel better, buddy. I really hope you do feel better. I know it's literally to keep Adam off this show. He had to be like deathly, not deathly sick. He's going to be okay, but I mean, he had a really fight. He texted me all of the week, being like, "Man, I feel a little better today." That just didn't come to fruition. He'll be back next week, hopefully get well soon, my man. Also, shout out to Nick Chelso, our CEO, Larry H. Russell, our executive producer. John Zanis, who's just the man in, in general, and most importantly, you guys out there listening to the show. I love you guys very much. We'll see you next time right here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of your Boston Celtics.